Welcome to the Becoming Infinite Podcast. I'm Cooper Gillespie, a women's empowerment coach, hypnotherapist, and modern mystic living in California's high desert. I believe every person has the power to create the life of their dreams by tapping into the infinite part of themselves. This show is here to inspire you to do just that. So each week we'll explore tools and practices, rituals and routines that you can use for your expansion. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, 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 how is everyone doing today? Hey, if you are enjoying this show, would you take a moment and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you happen to listen to podcasts on? That would help more people find our show, and you have my my ever-loving gratitude. Thank you so much. So today, I wanted to talk a little bit about kundalini yoga, and uh, I wanted to talk about it because I'm finishing up my teacher training, which I know you're like, Cooper, wow, you've got so many certifications and so many different things. And I think that I think that a lot of healers do. And I know for me, you know, I really, I want to help people holistically. So that means with mind, with body, and with spirit. And certain modalities are better for healing those different things. And Kundalini, I have to say, as far as spirit and body work goes, Kundalini's up there. <laughs> it's definitely something that I've had powerful experience with. I would say as far as body work, yeah, Kundalini and breath work, which uh, they're related. So that makes perfect sense. But I wanted to talk a little bit about it because I'm developing a membership. What? I know. I'm super excited. And I have a, I have such a big treat for well, I think it's a treat for all of you coming up, uh, but I'm not going to announce it yet. But I am developing a membership, and one of the key pillars of this membership is a Kundalini Kriya each month. And I think that Kundalini Yoga is so powerful and can really enact a lot of change. They call it the Yoga of Awareness because <laughs> it is the Yoga of Awareness. And I, another way I heard it described, which was so cool, is that. Kundalini is yoga for everybody in every body, which I love that. It's so true. It's a lot different than other forms of yoga that you may have encountered. Um, and, and you can do a lot of it sitting. And so some people might be like, oh, I'm not going to get a workout if I do Kundalini yoga. And I say to that, I say, mm, I think you are. <laughs> it's going to be a much different kind of yoga uh, workout though, because it's a lot of repetitive movement, a lot of breath work and breathing exercises. And in fact, oh my gosh, a lot of, <laughs> you're going to get abs of steel from all of the breath of fire that we do during Kundalini yoga. It's a lot. But so I first, I actually first heard about Kundalini yoga years ago. I had a friend who had what he termed a Kundalini experience. I don't know if that was the most accurate term for it, but what happened was he did a whole lot of ecstasy one night and had an awakening. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It was a sort of a, a drug-induced, uh, I guess you could call it an awakening. He definitely opened a door to a different reality, a different way of being. And it was it was shocking. It was it was pretty shocking looking at it from the outside in. 
it seemed like he kind of, you know, at the time I'm, I, I kind of thought, oh, he's really kind of lost his mind a little bit. Wow. Like it, it felt like that. He felt like he had kind of I don't know, lost his mind for, for lack of a better word. It was it was wild to, to watch a total this total transformation that occurred after this drug induced experience. And he was pretty out there for quite a while. And then he discovered Kundalini yoga and Kundalini yoga was the one thing that seemed like it, it centered him through Kundalini. And this is my, this is me saying what I think because uh, unfortunately he passed away. And so he's no longer here and through something totally unrelated, um, a car accident years later, but so I can't ask him, but what it seemed to me as someone observing and looking from the outside in, it was that Kundalini yoga seemed to ground him and and ground him in this new uh, awakened state, I guess. So whereas before, what it appeared to me from the outside was that the the drug-induced awakening seemed very kind of frenetic and chaotic and just like it, whoa, it was a lot and there was no grounding to it. There was no integration to it. And so it it seemed scary, to be quite honest, looking from the outside in. But once he incorporated Kundalini yoga, it seemed like he was able to integrate this new awakened self into himself. And I don't know how, but I hope I'm describing this right. I hope I'm describing this in a way that makes sense. But it seemed, he seemed better. He seemed grounded in in this new reality of his that that actually once he had grounded into it seemed very powerful and a good thing actually once he had grounded into it but so that was my first hearing about kundalini yoga and the kundalini experience and so just from that i was kind of freaked out about ever trying it because if the kundalini experience was what happened on that ecstasy trip i was like uh <laughs> i'm pretty sure i i don't want to I don't want to go there. I don't want to experience that. And the truth is that Kundalini yoga is very powerful, but it it's not like what I thought it was based on my friend's experience at all. However, I will say that because it is so powerful and it awakens a really powerful energy within, it is important in my opinion to take it slow and to allow the energy to integrate over time and to uh, be with a teacher who can help facilitate the integration and the grounding in of the kundalini energy so that it's not this crazy overpowering uh, and negative experience. Because the truth is that kundalini yoga is designed to trigger you. They call it the they call it the yoga of awareness because you're going to become real aware real fast of how you react to things in life. And so you it incorporates a lot of repetitive movements. So you'll see a lot of twisting from left to right or sitting while raising their hands up and then slapping their elbows against their sides and panting really hard, like doing this breathing, which I now know is breath of fire. But at the time I was like, what the heck are they doing? <laughs> this doesn't this doesn't look like any yoga I've ever seen before. But it incorporates these repetitive movements <laughs> to trigger you, basically. It's a reflection. It's a mirror of how you 
deal with difficulty or challenges in life, right? And so if you are sitting there in a kundalini class and the whole time thinking, I hate this teacher, I don't want to do this, this is stupid, da-da-da-da-da, you know, and these are the thoughts that are going through your head, congratulations, it's working. That's an invitation to look at yourself and, and kind of go like, wow, like, am I... Am I a person who is really judgmental or who complains a lot when the going gets tough, right? Where do I need to look at how I'm reacting to this yoga practice in my life? So Kundalini is made up of Kriyas and Kriyas are a sequence of movements, breath and mantra. And there are specific breathing techniques that go with all of the physical exercises. And I love the use of chanting and mantra and singing and kundalini. And this is a way that it's very different from other yoga, right? (laughs) If the first time I was in a kundalini class, I was like, what is happening right now with this chanting? Like it kind of threw me, but I think it's so cool. And, and some people will say, well, do I have to do the chanting or can I just watch or listen? I mean, of course, If you really can't bring yourself to chant, you can just listen. But the truth is your own voice has a healing power that is more healing than any other voice for your body. And so to to chant the mantras, to do the singing and to let your body experience your sound the way you make it is healing for you in a way that just listening to me do the chant is not, it's not going to be the same. And so it, I do feel it is important to chant along and to sing along with the mantras. If you, if you can bring yourself to do it, if you can't, if you're too embarrassed, then, you know, work up to it. (laughs) You can sit there and listen and that, that will help. But honestly, your voice heals your body which is so cool. I love that. Another thing that I had thought for uh, a long time that was kind of weird about Kundalini was the, you know, you see a lot of Kundalini is uh, teachers are all in white and wearing the turbans. And that kind of seemed like, a, I don't know, a weird thing to me. But it, you don't have to wear white. You don't have to wear a turban if you do Kundalini. That's how some people do it. And that does not have to be the way that you do it if that does not resonate with you. However, over time, I have come to very much enjoy wearing my white. So why do so many kundalinis wear white? Well, apparently our aura extends about nine feet around our body and wearing white can extend it by an extra foot, which helps protect you from bad energy or protects your positive energy. And it just attracts more light and inspiration into your life. That's one reason why I, I, I just like, I don't know. I now when I wear white, when I'm doing Kundalini, I feel, feel sacred to me. So I have, I have assimilated, <laughs> but I, I love it. I love because if anyone knows me I, for the longest time, all I ever wore was black thanks to my musician past. And uh, so then as I started sort of having more openness and awakening in my life, I started incorporating more colors, but white still, I still wasn't there. I still wasn't there with the white. And so now, now I'm all the way to wearing white, which I guess is, I don't know. I don't know what that says, but it feels really good to wear white. And as far as the, the turban or the head wrap, I haven't gotten there yet, but apparently it helps kind of provide a sense of calm and well-being because it just gives a, a light pressure 
on your head and pulls all the energy up. And so that's the reason for that. So if it resonates with you, yeah, go for it. If it doesn't, you don't have to do that. You can still have a great Kundalini practice and not wear white or wear a turban. Also, the mantra Satnam is very important. We'll always close out with that. And Satnam means truth is my identity, which I just love. All of the mantras. Oh my God. The meanings of the mantras are so amazing. So I love when I'm teaching, I love to actually bring in the meaning so that everyone knows what it is that they are repeating because it's, it's powerful stuff. So these kriyas are basically sequences of movements and they are scientifically put together. This is definitely a science because the way they're put together activates different parts of the body, distributes energy throughout our subtle body, which is our energetic body. And they're designed to stimulate our different systems in our bodies. So our nervous systems, our glandular systems, these different systems are the the kriyas to stimulate them in a very specific way. And so what I can say is that sometimes you'll be doing a kundalini kriya and you'll be like, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, I feel so good right now. And then other times you'll be doing a kundalini kriya and you'll just be triggered to all heck. Like, I hate this. I hate this teacher. I hate this movement. I want this to be over. I don't want to do this. Uh, I've even had to like stop before just because I've just got really triggered by it. And <laughs> that that's that's a part of the process. You've got to trust the process because it's all about, you know, leveling the ego pretty much. Right. And so it'll show you, it'll show you where you need to grow 100%. It'll show you, it'll show you, it holds a mirror up to you, basically how you react to things in life through the Kriyas. But it is really amazing and powerful. And so even though I say like, it'll trigger you and you're probably like, oh, I don't want to do that. I mean that in the best way possible. It will call you forward into your higher self. So you'll see the things about yourself or how you might react to things that you might want to change. And and then you can work on changing those things. Now, the other thing about Kundalini is that there was like a snake involved. I was like, what's with this snake? I don't understand. (laughs) And basically in Kundalini, there's a three coiled serpent that lies at the base of your spine. And so the goal of Kundalini is to awaken that that serpent of energy. I guess you could think of it an energy snake <laughs> and have it move through the body to connect with, uh, you know, whatever you want to think of source, universal consciousness, God, if you if you go there, but to connect with divine intelligence, however you think of it. And so that's why sometimes Kundalini, like in my friend's case, when he was like, I had a Kundalini experience and it was like, he seemed like he lost his mind. It's because he awakened that energy, not through a specific scientific process, the way Kundalini yoga will do, but through a drug trip, basically, and that awakened the energy too quickly, and he had no way to integrate that insane burst of energy. But what a good Kundalini teacher will do is slowly, gently, gradually, over time, awaken the energy so that you have time to integrate as you go, so that it's not an overwhelming, upsetting experience. 
but a beautiful unfolding of your energetic body communing with universal consciousness. Who doesn't want to do that? I will. I, I do have to add some some contraindications. Like if you're pregnant, you know, you definitely because Kundalini does a lot of breath of fire, which is a very quick staccato, powerful breath. And so for those people that are pregnant or have certain medical conditions or even women on their cycle, you might just want to do slow breathing, but you can still do kundalini if you are. You just want to adjust the different breathing exercises to make sure because we want baby to have lots of oxygen, right? I would just say stay with it. I'm going to be having, uh, like I said, some kundalini kriyas in my membership and If you choose to participate and explore kundalini, I would say even if at first it seems hard or seems weird or you're not sure about it, I would say stay with it because it's a really powerful practice. And one of the only ways I know that will heal you not only in body, but also in mind and spirit. It's like a, it's like a very holistic practice. It heals everything. And it will definitely shine a light on the areas in your life that you would maybe want to transform in order to transform into your highest self, for sure. So I'm really, really excited about the membership that's coming. I'll be announcing it soon. It's got a lot of other components to it, but I wanted to prepare you all. Kundalini is going to be a part of it. And as far as the membership, my philosophy is I'm sharing what has worked for me, what I know has worked for me in my life for my spiritual, my physical, my mental expansion, my expansion as a human, right? And so some of those things may work for you and some of them may not. And that's totally fine. My philosophy is always about everything. Take what works and leave the rest. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. (laughs) But if it's something that you have wanted to explore, uh, I would love to to be your guide and show you what I know. One last thing I'd like to address about Kundalini before I sign off is the association with Yogi Bhajan. And it, I know a lot of people have had a hard time wrapping their heads around how how to move forward with Kundalini despite its association with this person who did these terrible things. And the way my teacher helped us understand was talking about the fact that Kundalini, Yogi Bhajan didn't own Kundalini Yoga, right? Kundalini was a scientific awakening of the energetic body that was present in parts of India where Yogi Bhajan was from. And so he brought the science to the United States or to the Western world, but he didn't own Kundalini. I think he's got a trademark on something like Kundalini by Yogi Bhajan, but Kundalini Yoga in and of itself is not ownable. And so he he did terrible things. There's no denying that. And there have been many people in history who have also done terrible things and yet brought us scientific discoveries, such as if you look at Einstein, Einstein was no saint. He, by all accounts, was a terrible person in a lot of ways. However, he discovered the theory of relativity. Do we decide we don't believe in relativity anymore or we're not going to deal with relativity just because Einstein discovered it? No, it's a thing. It's a fact. It's a science. It's a law that exists outside of him. And in much the same way, Kundalini is a science that exists outside of Yogi Bhajan. It is from the tantric yoga tradition. It dates back to the 8th century. He does not own it. He did bring it to the West, but it didn't come from him. 
So I hope that's a way of thinking about it that helps. It certainly helped me. It's a beautiful, beautiful practice. All right, I do believe that is all for this week's show. I will see you all next week. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I know you have a million things going on in life, and it just means a lot that you spent this time with me today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, until next time. (music) 